0: The ghost of summer in her slumber Moving sound through liquid heat Her empty pools, all these new rules And promises we cannot keep
1: does it matter how
0: we flatter Some dark dream that's meant to die So parched by blinkered hearts Can't be ever satisfied All the misbehaves do And favors hearts whenever Hey, how's it
2: going? Welcome to Tell You What, the podcast. My name is Mike, and backed by Popular Demand is the executive producer and spiritual advisor to the podcast. Susan joins us again here today. Don't you, Susan? There she is. This is a special bonus episode of Tell You What comes to you absolutely free of charge. Another example of all we do for you, our dear listeners. Check out all our other episodes, which, as it turns out, are also free. The reason for this special episode is that David Wax Museum have just released a new record, Euphoric Ouroboric, and David Wax himself returns to the podcast to talk about it. If you want to hear the full story of David Wax Museum and David Wax, the creative person, you can check out episode number 14. Since David joined us for that episode back in 2019, we've been lucky enough to work with David and his wife and musical partner, Suze Slezak, on a couple of events. We hosted a Zoom show here at Tell You What Studios last year, didn't we?
0: Yeah.
2: That was a lot of fun. And in the before times, we helped them put on what they now call, I believe they call their golden hour shows. I think they were called Concerts in the Blind back then. Just an amazing, unforgettable experience. This was actually more of a production of our executive producer than it was me. She hosted this in her yoga studio, right?
0: In my own wildest dreams come true.
2: Yes. You can read about this concept on their website or listen to the previous episode with David. But the basic idea was we, the audience, laid down or sat down on the floor of the yoga studio blindfolded. And the band played and sang as they walked around amongst us. And we were blindfolded, as I said, the whole time. It was It was crazy good. Words fail to describe uh, this experience, but you should certainly look into it and hear David talk about it because, uh, right, Suze?
0: Sublime Sublime. and blind. Sublime and sublime. Blind and
2: sublime. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. Words don't fail. Those are the words. Okay, David and Suze have been very proactive during this quarantine period. We talk a bit about this, and one part of that creative output was the just released album Euphoric Ouroboric, and that is the main topic of our discussion today. So let's get to it. Here's our special bonus, no extra charge, tell you what discussion with David Wax. Ancient words, the songs of birds, ghosts without and ghosts
0: within. All this creator's doing are no famous hearts, but now it's a Holding on to sorrows, fading to tomorrow's, having lost of self control. A meeting who keeps us up on night memories.
2: Okay, David Wax, welcome back tell you what the podcast thanks for coming back for your second try here
1: no my pleasure thanks for having me back
2: sure we're going to be talking about your new record euphoric Ouroboric, in a minute but first let's did i pronounce that correctly that was perfect
1: that was perfect right. i heard the hesitation in your voice it was understandable it's it's a weird one but
2: well i i like it i just want to make sure i got it yeah. right But let's first talk about how you approached the last year or so. Um, We were in touch last spring at the beginning of quarantine, right? Uh, Tell you what, Mm -hmm. studios hosted a a Zoom show with David Wax Museum, which was awesome, by the way, a lot of fun. But at that point, we were both trying to figure out how to do Zoom music, what live streaming would look like. And you were one of the artists I saw really trying to get out ahead of this thing. And in fact, looking back at old emails, I saw where you said, well, if we're going to be... Something like, if we're going to be doing this for 18 months, I want to figure this out now. And I was like, what? 18 months?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? Yeah. But you kind of had this vision of, of what this might be. And so I, I just want to ask you about your approach to managing this time.
1: Sure, yeah. I, I think that it was helpful to yeah, to quickly reframe what was going on here. And, and for me, that meant kind of accepting that it was a long term. Um, it wasn't just a couple months. And, and maybe that's, I mean, Suze's brother does like disaster preparedness work. So he came to us in February and was like, all right, what's your COVID plan? And he was oh. kind of taking it very seriously, you know, taking it very serious early on. So probably that influence. In, and I think as I was talking to our team and the booking agent and the manager, and they were like, just how far everything was getting pushed back. Um, and then they're like, well, yeah, we could you'll want to go and play these shows, but the small venues are all going to be booked up with the larger artists because those right. rooms will open first. So so quickly, I, I kind of in my mind made this mental adjustment that this is going to be a while and kind of to try to see what what opportunities does this present for us. Um, and I think that just appreciating how fortunate we are that kind of technology has has sped up so much that the live streaming was was a possibility and that... You know for all of the the problems with the zoom concert um you know there was also something unique and special about that opportunity to connect with smaller groups of fans and to kind of really see the, see their faces right um you know so we did i mean i i probably booked i don't know 50 or 60 of those for us in the first couple of months of the pandemic wow. and and then that was on top of the three live streams each week we were doing um and so it was it was a lot I mean it was um
2: it's like you were on
1: <laughs> tour yeah but it was so much easier it was so much easier than tour because you one of the things I, I was realizing with all of this Is just how much time and energy goes into touring and the and the logistics around touring and for a band like us that tours full-time and we haven't an, a wonderful tour manager that's usually on the road with us but even with that support um you know, just trying to keep five musicians and two kids and a road nanny and a tour manager on the road in a van, Um, the amount of time and energy that goes into each night and uh, whether it's the the gear and kind of, yeah, figuring out where everyone's going to sleep and eat. So I just felt like such a kind of a burden of that lifted from me.
2: And it's almost one of those things where you don't realize how much of a burden
1: it is until it's gone because you can't allow yourself to think about it in the yeah. moment, right? Oh yeah, you just have to, you can't question it at all yeah. because <laughs> it all comes crumbling down if you're like, wait a, wait a second, this doesn't make it sense. Right. Um, so I, I I had to just like count our blessings and be like, we're, you know, we're healthy, our our parents are healthy, you know, our kids are adjusting to this, you know, quarantine life and not being in school and, you know, just kind of for us to be able to put them to bed and then play a show in our own house in the, in the, you know, our little attic studio felt like such a gift. So I tried yeah. to just embrace that. And, and the, and the, the, other piece of that for me was, you know, fi- finally launching a Patreon page and, and finally learning how to record myself, which were two things that were on my list for years. Hmm um but i think that i really needed the you know the the catalyst of crisis to to make those adjustments to you know that have been kind of radi- they've radically altered kind of our experience of being a band and the and the business of what we're doing
2: yeah so was this album something that became a quarantine project or was there
1: kind of a timing of maybe putting out an album now regardless um well i think one of the things that happened which was Kind of a fortunate accident of all this is that we had finished a bigger, uh, produced studio record with the full band, and it was all done before the pandemic. And so I kind of knew in the back of my mind I had that, I had that complete, and I felt, um, I felt so good about it. And it felt, I felt really liberated to kind of do whatever I wanted because I knew I had that in my back pocket. Hmm. And um, so it let me be more experimental, and, f- and it was just so freeing to feel like, well, then I can just you know make a record here at, at our at our house, and it's not. It, it freed me up instead of getting kind of caught up on like, oh, is this not going to be as good as kind of being in a big studio or with an, a real engineer or kind of the things that maybe would have stopped me from going down that path. Um, and it and it freed me up to make this make this record, Euphoric Ouroboric. and. And then it was, I mean, this is the first of um, four records we've made this last year in the quarantine. So it's kind of just, I felt like there was just this, this almost this bottleneck um, for creativity in songs that was the bottleneck of just the constant touring and the fact that it was just so expensive every time we wanted to get the band together to record.
2: Okay, and, i got to stop you. Did you say you've done four albums? Yeah, Since full, quarantine,
1: that's right. Yeah. So, and I don't. I mean, I I don't want to say that. I I feel like I I've seen some other artists talking about this period in it, and it's like, how do you talk about that in a way that's, it's not trying to brag or trying to kind of like, show off how impressive we are. Like it's just. I I appreciate how fortunate we are that we have these like incredible collaborators that I w- I've been able to work with that made this possible. Right. Um, and. You know, just I think all the, the 14 years of kind of what we've put in uh, to kind of build up this network of amazing musicians I can send tracks to. And um, I don't know, it's like all these skill sets I developed that felt like, gosh, it's like I can I can kind of turn out these songs, but I can't I just like couldn't do anything with all them. And so I finally have felt like, uh, yeah, so free freed up to, oh, man, well, we can do this kind of. This record, we finally made a Suze record during the quarantine, a Suze solo record. Okay. Um, I don't want to kind of get into the, too many of the details of the other records because I'm yeah. kind of focusing on Euphoric or Bork right now. But sure. I guess it's just to give the context that it's like, oh, just, just it. you know, I felt like we got to stretch out in all these new directions.
2: So, um, well, I, I, you don't want to brag, but I think it's pretty impressive to <laughs> recorded four albums worth of songs. But let's talk about. It sounds like you don't want to talk about compromises that you made by, by recording at home. You kind of saw it as an opportunity. But specifically what are the adjustments or the differences that you find between being in the studio and now what you've done at home?
1: Sure. Well i it, it kind of what it, I feel like this title really sums it up, Euphoric Ouroboric. Um, and so Ouroboric comes from this the mythological snake, the Ouroboros. And It's this symbol of kind of this uh, self-referential, kind of self-consuming. Like, and, And for me, I thought like, oh yeah, I'm in my head with this record in a different way because I'm listening to it all the time. I'm listening to myself and my parts and my voice and I'm editing my voice and I'm just so much more interactive with the whole process of making it. And so I felt like, okay, there is this like dialogue with the self, but it's not... It's not like cannibalistic. Like it's celebratory. I feel like I'm I'm having so much fun in this in this like I'm like rediscovering what it the love of, of being in making a record and being in the studio because I, I feel so um, relaxed. Like nobody's I'm not thinking about how much money I'm spending. Right. You know, on the engineer and all the guys that are not performing at that very moment on the take and just the. Uh, the apparatus of kind of getting a full band in the studio is is incredible and there's a magic of when you get everybody in a room and it sounds great and that, you can't replace that but it's like, oh there's this whole other thing where you just kind of get to do this deep dive into each sound and, and it's so much more personal because as opposed to me kind of poo-pooing my guitar playing and getting a much better guitarist in the mix, I have to figure out the part and kind of you know, like I'm not a novice, but I'm I'm much more of like a, a DIY guitarist, right? And so it just gives everything this character that's like, oh yeah, that's me playing the guitar. That's me doing that weird thing. Like, <laughs> that's me trying to harmonize. You know, like I I think kind of just embracing that it it has this character to it, and yeah. I think in a world where especially what you might hear on the radio, it's it's kind of like how do can we make this thing conform to, or like, how does this Song gonna work perfect on this playlist and create this mood with all these other songs. On you know, like, I think music. There's a tr- a trend that's going towards kind of honing, c- taking all the rough edges off, and polishing things to such a degree that you you lose touch with kind of that that unique stamp that each person brings to any anything they make.
2: Right. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the, the album Euphoric or Bork. I hear some of the return maybe to the Mexican folk influences mm-hmm. for, of your earlier work. But at the same time, there's a lot of, and you've referenced this, some, some like experimental uh, aspects
1: too, right? New directions mm-hmm. sonically. So it's an interesting combination of sounds, right? For sure. And I mean, a lot, of, a lot of that is credited to the producer, Alex Spiegelman, who's been a longtime collaborator of ours uh, since our early days in Boston and um, realizing we're doing this remotely we're not all in the same room you know like you could kind of fight against that or you could embrace that and be like alright these these songs are gonna start with Alex sending me some weird program drum loop that he makes that's just like the unique Alec loop that only he would think to make and I'll play to that. And then I start playing to it and I fall in love with the loop he's built. Hmm. And then later we'll add a drummer, but we're like, oh man, there was something so magical about that artificial beat that he'd made earlier. And so we would start bringing the two together and kind of how can we make the artificial beat breathe and how can we make the real drummer sound a little more artificial? <laughs> and so it was this really fun push and pull of man and machine as we were kind of building the rhythm that would underlay the tracks right and kind of feeling like that's in the spirit of what we're doing here that we're like we're making folk music but we're doing it electronically we're doing it on computers from all parts of the globe let's not have any kind of let's not pretend that it's something different yeah that's interesting
2: let's talk about a few of the songs if we can i want to start with keep your light steady first of all this has some of those experimental touches maybe you were talking about the vocals are manipulated here among other things right yep um but I think I read an interesting origin story of this when I heard the song, when I listened to it, it as a love song. Some of the lyrics, you know, if you go down, I will follow, um, that kind of thing. But I, from what I read you said, the idea for this comes from something else, from your work with Livingston Taylor. Do I have that right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Um, and it was f- fun. I just got to connect with Livingston the other day. Again, it had been a little while. And he, I mean, he's just such a... Um, like great career kind of coach in a way for a lot of young musicians okay um, he's, been he's on the that. faculty at Berkeley now I think Isn't is that he? right yeah, yeah and he was he was at Harvard when I was there as like an artist in residence and so I'd gotten steered towards him once people knew I was interested in songwriting so we, oh, wow. we would we would hang out in college and I'd play what I was working on and he would kind of heavily critique me um, <laughs> but in a great like sometimes you just I've just always been someone that was just so hungry for someone to tell me I was wrong and like tell me how to make it better, and he was so good at that. Yeah. Um, and so he was giving me this advice about like, well, what are you, like, what are we doing here? Like, why are you making music? Like, what's, you know? And his answer is like, you're trying to to uplift people, like, and raise the human condition. And he kind of like gave me this like, it's almost like uh, preparing to go out into battle, and you like general is giving you a pep talk, and he's like. You know, there's, it's, a, it's bleak out there. Like, you're out in the middle of the ocean, and you're just trying to send this signal out there, and you're trying to connect with people, and you're trying to kind of find people that can help you get this music out to more people. And he kept kind of talking about this image of being stranded in sea and broadcasting a light out. And, and that really stayed with me. Um, and so I started, I started writing this song shortly after that conversation.
0: When the skyline fades out. You're heavy with the doubt And hope is slipping away Don't despair I'll find you out there Lift your head above the waves Keep your light steady your heart for I'm gonna find you yeah, I'm gonna pull
1: you out of the
0: darkness. Give me your hands if they're cold. A long night
1: for heaven, a and gold. But if you want to hear it as a love song, that's okay too. I <laughs> you know, that's I, I think I they do that, <laughs> and there is there there is a lot of vocal manipulation on this. I, I was listening. I mean, it's so common now in pop music that people are manipulating the voice and running it through a vocoder, auto tuner, and you know that's something we've stayed away from as a, as primarily a you know a band coming from the folk world. But I think that there there is something really powerful about what what happens when you when you start going down that. Um, that world of vocal manipulation and you sing differently and you listen to the voice differently and Mm. you kind of, and some of it's in that same spirit of like embracing the artifice of all this.
2: Yeah. So you're talking about not just manipulating the vocals after the fact, but thinking about what the sound is going to be as you're singing it. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, Let's talk about the song Juniper Jones. This is a peppy poppy song. It is a great sound all around. Lyrically, I hear this song as like a song of encouragement, maybe from a parent's perspective.
1: <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but I, I think that's great. I think that's a, a great interpretation of it.
2: I'm going to continue to tell you what your songs are about.
1: Fred, please, please. <laughs> I love that. I, lo- I love that part of the creation where you, you know, it kind of has a life of its own. Yeah. And they're each valid. I don't. I don't. I think anybody's interpretation of my music is, for the most part, pretty valid. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wrote it thinking about all these musicians that we would encounter in our early days, and you would see a band playing in some terrible bar where the sound was awful, and nobody was listening, and you would just, that person was so much bigger than that room and that band, and you would just know that this, like, this person is on a trajectory and like nothing can contain what this person has um, stored up in them and there was a lot of that in boston days you know being around the new england conservatory and berkeley um, just so many amazing musicians getting their start there but still in that early kind of primitive stage of their their development or their career and i felt like yeah all of us kind of have that like we have this potential in us and it's uh, you know I was kind of like singing. You know, I think all of us also have a lot of self-doubt. And so I wanted to sing to Juniper and to kind of like be like, no, you've got this. Like you have yeah. this. And, and in that sense, I, I can totally hear how, how you would hear that as a parent. Because um, don't we want that kind of encouragement from our parents to that, that they be- believe in us no matter what? And
2: Right, that's kind of what I was taking from it, yeah.
0: Juniper Jones, all on your own. I know you can do this without them Juniper Jones, you feel it in your bones Going somewhere that nobody's been Oh, 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 you don't want to be good You want to be great
2: about pattern of mind i get like a south american vibe on this one great rhythms here Mm -hmm. Um, this song in particular stands out to me as a quarantine song yeah right oh yeah Uh, maybe because one positive aspect of quarantine for me was the chance to work on my meditation practice and the lyrics here kind of make me think about those Mm -hmm. concepts Mm -hmm. and relatedly kind of some maybe the mental health issues that faced some of us during quarantine
1: Yeah, that's that's all there very presently. I mean, I think uh, something I became aware of very quickly with quarantine and and the ending of all of our tours and not going out was just how much of our or my, I guess I should talk personally here is how much my own personal um, way of coping is kind of that constant movement and constant stimulation. And, you know, like any time that you'd get into a mental rut, you're like, well, I know I'm feeling that way about it right now, but tomorrow we're going to like be out on the road in a new city and it's going to look really differently. Right. And you kind of use that as a crutch, I think. Um, I think it's, it can be a healthy thing too, but I think sometimes there's a the crutch of that to be like, well, what's actually going on? Like what are your, what are your deep kind of issues and the, the ruts that you keep coming back in your mind? regardless of kind of what you distract yourself with. And I think um I certainly had to contend with that um in a much you know more honest uh way and stasis like this and, yeah. and so that was very present when when I was w- working on those lyrics. Yeah,
2: and the and the, the sound of the song is just great. I have to say that. It really is a great combination of kind of that the message you're trying to get across, but it's placed in this bed of really fun kind of rhythms, right?
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I thought a lot about that when we were building the song and when I was writing it to be like, well, you know, I'm, I sometimes have, um, you know, just a desire as a songwriter to mix it up where you're like, okay, there's got to be a verse and then I've got to change it up for a chorus and then a post chorus and a bridge. And I was like, well, that's not what this song is about at all. This song is about just churning on the yeah. same rut the same pattern in your brain and so this is going to be a very repetitive song so how can we sustain that um how do we mirror that in the vocal delivery and the way that there's the delay through a vocoder on my voice that's repeating the lines again and again and how do we keep the track pulsing and and humming over that um and then of course like you kind of for us it's it so naturally goes into a latin rhythm because of kind of my my background in, in studying that music and loving that music and alec has is such a versatile horn player so he living in brooklyn hearing like the sounds of like banda music and merengue music outside his street was kind of like heard these kind of these pulsing rhythms and these horn lines in his neighborhood and so that that inspired uh, the, the horn arrangement on there
0: yeah. so evolved sophisticated every thought so innovative we think we've got it figured out standing so tall I have my doubts let our guard down here's what we find back in the pattern pattern of mind. we think we see we are blind, just a pattern, a pattern of mind, pattern of mind, pattern of mind, going forward in rewind, pattern of mind, pattern of mind, around our ankle it wraps its
2: vine. I want to try one more song. Love comes around. In contrast, maybe to some of the other songs, this is kind of a um, simpler kind of lo-fi affair right mm-hmm. mostly just you and a guitar and some beautiful cello this seems like maybe the song that uh, wouldn't have happened this way in a studio right and it came out just wonderfully thank you
1: yeah i think i was hesitant at first to to approach it like this um alec really encouraged me to just spend the time learning learning the song slowly um because I just written it, you know, maybe the week before we recorded it, okay. and so to kind of really spend the time learning it, so that I could pro- perform it all in one take and get the vocal, and and the guitar playing together. Because, you know, there's just some there's a, there's something about the way you sing that's different when you're playing an instrument. Right. I think sometimes we get removed from that when we kind of isolate the vocal and come back and do the vocal later. Um, and so sort to of kind of have those intimately bound up in the recording and then for me to just have these evenings where I would come up into our attic studio after the kids were asleep and I would just have it all set up and I would just run, run it five or six times and then come back the next night and run it five or six times. And, you know, I kind of I couldn't even listen to it. I couldn't bring myself to listen to it again. But I, I sent Alec a lot of those takes and there was one I'd marked like rain, rainy night, take seven. You know, and he's like, that's the one, you know, that's like. I just love that take of it, and I think that it captured it. And I had to kind of come to terms with different imperfections in it that I would have, you know, in a studio I would have kind of ironed out a little bit more. Right. Um,
2: yeah. Well, it comes across and it works really well. Thank you.
0: I know love comes around.
2: people are hearing this, the record will be out. Um, what does it look like for you
1: to support a record like this this summer? Um, hoping to do some live shows? Hope, Yeah, hoping. I mean, uh, trying to be realistic about that too. It's so hard to build a tour right now. If, if we do anything, it'll be very DIY. I mean, we have a, a Charlottesville release show on May 8th. Okay. And we're going to do a big live stream with Alec he's gonna come down for a week and we're gonna do a a whole a big live stream night where we're gonna play the whole record and go deep in the catalog on May 4th um so we're gonna you know celebrate it in that way there's a show and a live stream um you know beyond that it's like how do you I I was talking to my friend Joe Pug the other day and he was like yeah it just feels like I released a record but it was just like an Instagram post I mean this is just so ephemeral and um I think that there's some, something about the nature of releasing that, that is that way right now. Yeah. Um, and so I felt like at least for me, because I released it uh, a song at a time on Patreon this time around, that was my way of really kind of slowly unfolding it for the kind of most diehard listeners of ours and really taking the time to, to write an in-depth kind of song by song and, you know, thoughts and, and kind of backstory. And so I felt like that for me was a helpful way to feel like, okay, this is this slow unfurling um, that makes it feel more meaningful or that makes me pause on what, what's happening here. And Alec and I are, have just finished, we're kind of on the the home stretch on the sequel to this record. Okay. Um, and so we're actually not going to put this out on CD or vinyl right now, but in the fall, we're going to do a double CD, double vinyl release with cool. both records. So I think that'll help make it feel a little more real, too, to have that in hand and to kind of be able to, like, celebrate what this kind of creative collaboration has been with, with Alec. Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: that's not, that sounds like a great idea.
1: Yeah, and hopefully maybe the fall will look will look different in terms of what, what we're able
2: to do to support that. Well, so. I think it will. Well, congratulations on this record and all you've been able to accomplish over the last year. It's pretty impressive, David. Mm, thank and you. thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. My pleasure. Thanks so much. We'll see you out there on the road at some point. Awesome. Looking forward to it.